Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked On Cavs podcast with my co-pilot Evan Damerel on today's show. It's all NBA draft mailback questions. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks. And SB Nation for the sword. My co-pilot here, I'm emphasizing this because he is going for a very certain aesthetic right now, is Evan Damerel, primarily at Facebook's Right Down Euclid. Today's show, as noted at the top, is all about draft mailback questions. Segment one, we're going to talk about draft tradebacks. Segment two, we're going to talk about Isaiah Mobley uh, because we got a question about him. And segment three, we're going to talk about Kobe Altman and if he could trade up in the draft for anyone in particular. But Evan, happy Father's Day to you, to your dad, more specifically, because you're not a dad at this moment in time. I'm a cat, but are you ready? To, uh, sure. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready to? Are you, are you ready to take some mailbag questions? I am. I hope everyone likes the new setup. It's still a WIP. But speaking of a uh, cat, there, there he is. Uh, looks like it looks like like an in memoriam painting, but he's very much alive and well. Um, but I, I'm ready to get some questions. I. Uh, didn't know we were doing a mailbag until my phone started going when I was eating dinner with my parents earlier for Father's Day. So I'm excited for this, but uh, this, how, this, how was your weekend overall, champ? It was good. Uh, you know Evan didn't check the, the spreadsheet when I told him I planned everything out, that the mailbag was I, I was vaguely aware, but this I had a wedding yesterday. Uh, Birdman Joe, congratulations to him, friend of the pod. But and then Father's Day is today, and just... You know, it's not, it's not, it's not the plane. It's the pilot, and this pilot was, uh, was not ready to launch. Clearly. All right, let's talk about some questions. First one comes from friend of the program Corey Walsh at comment underscore core. Which fringe first round prospect would you each like to see the Cavs trade back up into the first round for? Also, question. What pieces could they move that would entice teams to take that trade? Evan, can we take the the second part of that question first? Because I think that's a little easier to answer. Because I think the the answer is. Your second round picks, you know, maybe an expiring contract that you have. If teams want to shed money, mostly I would say Jetty Osmond and Dylan Windler kind of stand out in that regard. That's kind of what you're working with. And also the vast wealth of the Gilberts, unless we forget a couple of years ago, the team spent a record amount of money to go and get Kevin Porter Jr. at 30th overall. I don't think that's like something you could we should rule out as like a possibility. It's hard to know that they're going to do it until it kind of happens and, and some of that stuff really doesn't come out until it's happening in real time. But that, to me, seems like the package. It would be your second-run picks, maybe another future nominal second if you really want someone, and then money, and then expiring contracts if a team, and or expiring contracts if a team wants to hit, have some money coming off the books at the end of next season, heading into the 2023 league year. 
I agree with that take. Maybe you throw Laurie Market in, in there as well, just because I think again, there's just going to be teams that are intrigued by a. But but is it? If it gets you further, let's say like. I know it was reported that the Cavs are possibly looking back to trading back to acquire a future first. If they did that, and then they're able to maybe mitigate a trade that gets them back in the middle of the first round easy market its contract i think you have to pursue that avenue if you can especially if you want to maybe clear up some money on the books if you want to do some wacky stuff in free agency just so you have a little more financial wiggle room but the rest of the guys you listed especially osmond i think there are going to be teams who maybe view him as possibly a better asset than a late first round pick in some regards like i think maybe like Christian Wood being equivalent of like an uh, an early twenties in the early twenties is like a good like maybe marking point for the Cavs and maybe they can use Jetty Osmond as a way to grease a trade. I think that's certainly realistic if you're Cleveland and maybe another team across the league because at his best he is a high energy shooter off the bench who can maybe give you some rebounding and some tertiary playmaking at his worst he is a very streaky shooter who is objectively terrible defensively and Mm. there's some things you could do with that maybe if you put him in a little bit more of a pigeonhole or uh contenderish environment there's things maybe you can ask him to do less of that helps but I, I agree with you just in terms of tradable prospects, but I think you were about to disagree with me on Lowry. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to hit on this further. It's just I don't think if you're trading back up into the first round, he's a guy that's necessarily like he's part of a bigger trade that I think would be more about getting a future first. Like I think if that, that's if, fair, I think if you're dealing Lowry, it's not to just get like pick twenty six. It's to do a, a bigger swing because that that's what the salary number there and the number of years on his contract offer you. To, so to, to, to answer Corey's first question, yeah, that, Dylan that, Terry's a guy I kind of yeah, want the Cavs to take a stab at if that's the case, or just wing players in general. Um, that's just kind of just what the Cavs need to do is bulk up on their cachet of wing players, and yeah, there, there's there, there's going to be guys who kind of get a like the wings are going to get a good run i think at the late first and then also in the early second if you're cleveland who with 39 as well yeah i think dale and terry would make some sense uh i'm a david roddy guy as we've kind of talked about a bunch like that's a guy i would look at i think oh yeah um i'm into him i, I think one of the other things that's kind of interesting is jake fisher uh mostly bleach report reported like that the nuggets maybe you're looking at getting uh nemhard from gonzaga and that monty morris might be available this is like an another way of answering this but it's like i would maybe if you could get in on that and monty morris is like your solve for your backup point guard question uh back at the deadline that was a name that zach lowe in particular had linked to the Cavs. so maybe that's a name you could consider as far as monty Morris. if, if he's available and you want to yeah. go get a veteran and, that and would make as, it that would make a as, ton of sense as bad as this free agency market is i think monty morris would be like the best guy you could acquire if you're cleveland like yes ricky rubio has his entry yes delon wright has his entry i'm sure you could throw another couple names in there as well but monty morris is just like okay you have a backup for darius garland who is healthy and available and competent enough and trustworthy enough to play like 15 to 20 possibly 25 minutes a night off the bench for you yeah the other names i would say in this range would say maybe if ej liddell slips he could make some sense mm-hmm. um you know maybe caleb houston who's who's at 29th in the latest espn mock like that i know there's some injury concerns there but a, certainly a very intriguing guy. i think there's a lot of guys interesting i think dalen terry has the most public links that we've seen so far so he feels like the right answer there okay let's move to the next question 
Uh, this comes from at redacted underscore fan on Twitter, who asks, do the Cavs have any interest in Johnny Davis if he drops? He says, he writes in this tweet, I haven't heard his name in any news or reports. Why don't you lead us off on this Johnny Davis question? I, I know they do have interest in him. I know Chris Fedor did a good write-up on kind of like connecting the dots between the Cavaliers organization and Johnny Davis. It's mostly through Team USA, which... If you look at Kobe Altman's track record as just drafting players, like if they have a connection through Team USA, like there's a good chance, like which is which is which for context is part of Kobe Altman's basketball experience. Yeah, working for, for USA basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think there's just a mutual interest between those two, obviously. And Chris and I talked about this a little bit, maybe about maybe prospects that we could tackle more in the future, leading up to the draft, or just in general that we haven't talked about enough. But like Johnny Davis is. A guy that would make a lot of sense for Cleveland, I think he, if you believe enough in your player development, he's more of your immediate answer instead of Karis LeVert or even Colin Sexton, but he needs time to grow and marinate. Yes, he is a sophomore and he's one of the older players in this lottery range, but at the same time, like I think there's still a lot of upside there. So yeah, I think there's interest. I, I'm not sure if Cleveland's worked him out or not. They're very, very secretive on this just entire process. When it comes to the draft, they don't post footage. They don't share who is and isn't working out for them. It's just kind of a lot of agent speak and player speak. And then there were media availability last week, but nothing's been said yet. But I think Fedor's piece really did help connect the dots a lot. And if you use the look through the Team USA Basketball Avenue, like there should be a mutual interest between Davis's camp and the Cavs. It's just, excuse me, whether or not he will be available at that point in 14 because... There's teams like the Knicks who could take him. There's teams like Charlotte who could even take him as well if they don't want to go after a big man. I mean, maybe they can draft a coach with their pick before Cleveland or after Cleveland as well. But um, yeah, it's interesting, but I wouldn't be opposed to Johnny Davis. It's just we won't know and probably till after the fact if he is picked by Cleveland, if he worked out for him or not, them or not, because there's just such a hush-hush organization on this process. But again, we talked about him before, and I would not hate the acquisition of Davis because he make, he checks a lot of boxes for what Cleveland's kind of looking for, I guess, in a prospect this summer. Yeah, I, I think if he's if he's there at 14, he's, I think, absolutely into the conversation. I think the question, as you kind of alluded to, Evan, is, or you said, is, is he going to be there at 14? Because if he's not, then this is like, a, a you know, you're looking other ways. Obviously, he could go to you know, Washington. He could go to the Knicks. Like, we'll kind of see where he ends up maybe he's a guy that that jumps you know a little bit for whatever reason i think there's there's what happens between you know like seven and like 12 and 13 obviously will be really interesting for the Cavs because like i you could talk me into a bunch of different stuff happening in that range and like that could leave the Cavs with uh you know a certain option for them like if it's a baji maybe that ends up how it's working out maybe brandon's there and, and someone reaches for a baji ahead of them like there we will see how this works out there will be something surprising and and maybe it's davis falling but it, it as of right now it seems like he's that's maybe not where that's headed with him okay after the break we're going to go into another question it's going to be about isaiah mobley aka evan mobley's older brother uh from you who's a center from usc in this upcoming draft but first going to tell everyone about our friends at bet online bet online is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info find all of the latest sports developments News and odds, including the NHL Finals, the ongoing MLB season, and of course, all the fighting news from MMA to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. For instance, if you want to bet on specific draft prospects and where they'll be drafted, 
you can do that. Dyson Daniels is currently minus 130 to be picked over 7.5 versus minus 110 to be picked before 7.5. Johnny Davis, another possible Cavalier who we just talked about, is minus 130 to be picked over 11.5, minus 110 to be under 115. And as for Malachi Branham, he is an even 120 to be to be picked un, un, before 14 and a half and above 14 and a half in the draft. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's bet online. That's where the game starts. All right, we're back. Chris Manning, Evan Damerel, the Lockdown Cavs podcast, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now with more gold, Evan from Trey in the discord asks, do you see Isaiah Mobley possibly being a UDFA target? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it certainly would be an interesting acquisition. I think Isaiah Mobley was probably Southern Cal's best player last year at times, but Southern Cal wasn't a very good team. I think it's it's certainly interesting because Isaiah was viewed as like the better prospect before Evan had like that massive growth spurt and just kind of like showed like those freaky guard skills in a seven footer's body and that's certainly a lot more intriguing. But like, I think the Cavs could do worse if they signed him to the charge and like let him grow and develop and maybe he has like that Lamar Stevens or Dean Wade esque jump where he. <clears throat> just grows at the back end of the bench, possibly just with the G League squad, and could be like one of those break glass in case of emergency kind of bigs. Plus, it's doing right by one of your franchise cornerstones, and at the end of the day, too, where you bring in his older brother. Um, if, if you know, you know, with the J.R. Smith uh, situation in the Knicks, but um, it, it's not as toxic or volatile as that, obviously. But I mean, they could do worse, and they could always do better as well. but the draft is also a crapshoot. Who knows? Maybe Isaiah Mobley gets drafted in the second round somehow, some way too. But like, there's been virtually no buzz whenever you kind of just like look into his name during this pre-draft process. So maybe the Cavs sign him as a UDFA. Yeah, like I know he's worked out for San Antonio. Um, he's doing his own kind of thing. He was named like USC named him their team MVP sim- last year. Sim- similarly to his brother the year yeah. before. He is. He is interesting in the sense that, like, I think if you want to, like, grab him as a UDFA and, like, again, as you said, develop him and do that, I don't think that's, like, a bad way to go about it. I don't really have a gauge on how good he actually is on his own merits, and that obviously will win out more than, you know, any familial connections. Um, But he is is at least interesting as UDFA like I think if you want to go get a, a young center try to develop that kind of player I, I don't think that is at all a a bad way to look at what you're doing you know um he is certainly like again not going to be like a the, the first round caliber prospect that some mocks had him in earlier in the in the in the draft in the season but there's certainly some talent there and we'll you'll we'll see how it works out for him one way or the other but I'm intrigued at least that maybe they'll we could go that route, put him in the G League, and Evan can have his brother around. Okay, other question here uh, from also from Redacted underscore fan on Twitter. Two good questions from from them. Beyond drafting talent, what is the bigger need for the Cavs: shooting wings or defensively versatile wings? Now, I will say, well, 
we're going to do an episode on draft needs and kind of drafting them and ranking them. Um, spoiler center will be bottom of my list with a bullet. I think, Evan, you're right. Where did you that episode? Okay, we're going to do some we, version we of fought, We fought about backup centers because I thought it was more pressing me Here's than the thing. you did. My brain, is, my brain is fried. So we'll do. We'll talk about positions in, in some way and like maybe what strengths in this class or we'll what's available a, we'll in this class. We'll do a draft primer. Yes. I think it's shooting wings, but it's it's got to be like... I think if you're looking at the kind of player also in, the, in a vacuum that Cleveland like would seem to want and thinking about like mm-hmm. what J.B. Bickerstaff wants what kind of guys they've gone after it's not going to be a guy that can just shoot and do nothing else they're going to ask a guy to be able to do other stuff i think if they're going to go that route i i also just i would also I'll just say that like evan mobley and jared allen's defensive versatility and skill i think does allow you to kind of look at this and say okay like i just i give me the give me the shooters and my alien big man can cover for me a lot mm-hmm. no i agree with you i think I I don't want to say a lot of it hinges on like just what his next step is offensively, but like what you get from Isaac Okoro next year too really yeah. does answer a lot of questions about just this question overall too. Like if Okoro takes that leap as a shooter because he's admitted like I wasn't good um, this last season just shooting-wise, like defensively he's been pretty freaking good at times and I'd say probably the best point of attack defender for Cleveland last season. And there's obviously room for improvement there as well, but like, uh, unless you don't believe fully in Isaac Coro's development, and I understand the hesitation and reservations, I think I'm more in on his upside than some others, and like Chris is too, but he's cooled a little bit just from like being the king of Isaac Okoro Island. But I look, I still own like a villa on the on the on the on the. On I own a, the, I, a I own a I own a cabana, but it's currently like in a timeshare situation okay. with people. Yeah. So I still own my villa, but that's like also in part because I think the value has has been in a yeah. tough situation. So unless Isaac makes not necessarily a dramatic leap, but a pretty sizable jump shooting wise, you need to bolster this team offensively in terms of shooting because again, you have. In your starting lineup, Darius Garland, who's a shooter, Colin Sexton, who has the propensity to shoot, but just isn't in his dichotomy and shot chart. He'd rather attack the basket. That's fine. That's just how he's wired as a player. Larry Markkinen, who is, in theory, a shooter, but can be streaky at times. Evan Mobley, who has the potential, but isn't one right now. And Jared Allen, who isn't one. And then outside of that, you have Kevin Love, the idea of Dylan Windler, Jetty Osmond when he's clicking. And, like, there's just so much uncertainty in terms of your shooting, and it's not very reliable that Cleveland was below average in terms of three-point shooting last year. And they can muck it up. They can play ugly. They can try and win that way. But, like, they should make it easier on themselves some nights, too, or they don't have to expend so much energy on defense to grind out a win that they're able to kind of be there at the end of the season. And I think having shooting certainly helps with that, and that's just kind of where I'm at. And if you look at just some of who they have defensively, like, yeah, they have a Coro, they have Lamar Stevenson as their own right, who's a good defensive player. Like, And that's a type of player J.B. Bickerstaff likes. Like, you can never have too much of that, obviously, as well. But with how just bad the Cavs were at times offensively last season... I think they need to prioritize shooting and just make lives easier on themselves just so they can kind of just focus on the next steps and maybe just evolve as a team offensively. Yeah, I I will be curious to see if they maybe look, if there's a wing that they end up taking, whether it's like a second-round guy, someone they trade up for, whatever, 
that maybe is a version of the Dylan yeah. Windler pick and trying that route when, again. You can that yeah, would make Wendell sense. Wendell Moore would be that route for me if they were able to trade it back into the back half of the first round to like go back to the last segment too, and Wendell Moore is available. Like that's a bigger wing who can provide you some shooting out of the box, but obviously needs some time to season before you can reliably say like, okay, this is one of our shooters off the bench or possibly even as like a plug plug and play starter. Yeah, I. I am fascinated about what they really could be looking at with some of this. And look, I, I do, again, think this draft will be something of a cipher for what kind of players we think Kobe Altman and his team like at this current moment. I, I think this will be an interesting data point considering where the team is at and where they're headed in that debate. Okay, after the break, we're going to do a couple more questions, so stay tuned for more Locked on Cavs. All right, this question comes from Cowboy IPA on Twitter. And we've, we've hit on this a little bit, but I let's hit it again. Do you think there is a scenario where Kobe Altman trades up for a player in this draft? I think, Evan, the answer is yes. I, th- I, I think the question, I want to I frame it this way just to not hit the same notes again because we got a lot of questions about this. I, I, I think I would wonder how aggressive they will be be and doing that with and and maybe what that tells us about what they think about the roster to come because we have to also remember the Cavs roster is not exactly like got necessarily easily open like that maybe easily be open all spots right now but like if you look at the roster right now you have a bunch of you bet you have Allen Garland Levert Love Marketing Mobley Okoro Osman Stevens, Wade, and Windler under contract. So you have like a number of guys under contract. You're obviously, I don't think they're going to necessarily bring, I would be surprised if they brought in three rookies into camp, like as like lot, roster locks. That would be surprising to me. So if, like, I think one of those second round guys is going to be drafting Stash or a two way. And like maybe it's both of them. Maybe it's, you know, what, like whatever that ends up being. I, I would be surprised if they bring three rookies in that are all, on guaranteed actual NBA contracts, not two-way deals or, or whatever. I am curious to see what kind of space they leave themselves in, in how also just how aggressive they would be to give up future assets for some of this stuff. Like there's just a lot I feel like we're going to learn. And look, also, if you, you know, we get to that number that the guys will sit out, Colin Saxon could easily sign a contract and be on the team next year. And like, that's another roster spot. So it's not like there's limitless room here. So maybe they feel it's worth being aggressive to just go get someone they actually feel strongly about versus someone they feel less good about. No, I, you know, I later agree on the draft. that. I think you and I saying that the Cavs should try to utilize all three picks. I think we're saying that with this first rounder will definitely be on the roster on opening night, but like those second rounders, like 39, could be on the back end of the roster, but more likely to probably be like a two-way guy they saw. Not a two-way guy, but a guy they keep with the charge, but obviously under contract as well. It's tricky. It's just because the Cavs are not necessarily landlocked financially, but they're they're pretty tight. Like they have the mid-level exception to work with, with depending on how what they sign Colin Sexton to could be around ten million dollars or a little bit less than that as well. But um it, it's tough, it's tricky, but and then with that last second rounder, it's probably a two-way guy or a guy you just don't bother signing and you just kind of like see how he looks during summer league play. And then if you invite him to training camp and he still kind of just shows you something that you're intrigued with, you keep him with the charge and let him develop and maybe let him be 
uh, a good but not great like depth piece for you down the line as well. So it, it's tough, it's tricky, but um, I, I don't think the Cavs would really like trade up and break a bunch of eggs in this draft. I feel like a lot of teams are going to kind of stand put just with how mediocre this free agency class is. Like, yeah, the Cavs are historically an aggressive team in terms of transactions, especially Kobe under Kobe Altman's tenure as a president of basketball operations and general manager. But I, I just don't really see a path. Like I see it being more realistic. Let's say like Johnny Davis and Malachi Branham are off the board. And the Cavs just aren't necessarily in love with who's available at 14. I see a more realistic path where they possibly trade back, get a future first for their troubles, and have more assets to use in the pipeline to possibly make an upgrade leading up to the trade deadline this season or something like that instead. And they still nab a rookie who likely won't make a huge impact during his first season but a guy that you obviously have long-term aspirations with that can kind of round up your depth as you subtract players or add players or vice versa it's just you know it's it team building is an interesting process but the Cavs are kind of limited as you said roster space wise and just financially as well yeah I I think how aggressive they'll be leads into our, our last question here, which is we're going to, again, spin this a little different way. So Mr. ZZZ30 on Twitter asked, how much would the Cavs have to give up to, to 37 into the first? It seems like they're trying to get a second first for Dalen Terry. So let, I mean, let's just say that is true. There's a Dalen, it's Dalen Taylor or someone else that the Cavs want to trade up for and get late in the first round to go up and get. I want to reframe this. What is the the most you would be comfortable well, giving? Well, again, up I talked about this in the first segment, but Christian Wood was kind of your barometer. That's the word I was looking for in the first segment of what you could get to maybe like because Dalen Terry's range is possibly like in the early twenties to at the end of the first round. I think that's like realistically like his kind of range, and obviously could fall into the second just depending on how the draft goes too. But if teams view jetty osmond in that regard maybe you can trade back into the first if you include like your seconds as well maybe it's osmond and windler if you can get a team to kind of bite on Windler's upside still in the fact that he's on the last year of his rookie skill contract so there's options there's paths like um friend of the pod slash producer slash friend um mac robinson sent me a fake trade it was let me pull it up just yeah well, no, I, mean, I wonder if it is the same one that he sent me because he sent me one that I have not responded to because I was... Uh, it was, was Dean Wade and Dylan Wilmer uh, for Danny Green the Danny, and number 23. The Danny, yeah, so the Danny Green maybe one, yeah. sub Dean Wade because he's injured with a meniscal tear. And I think... I ha- I got the impression the Cavs kind of want to keep Dean Wade in the fold because he's like just decent depth on a pretty cheap contract they'll probably sign him to. Um, maybe you swap Dean Wade for Jetty Osmond and then you bring in Danny Green and like you include like a future second or Dylan Windler just to, you know, for the, the Sixers to get Danny Green's salary off the books and also the Cavs get a first round pick for their troubles. And then the, the Sixers can kind of figure it out from there because they're a weirdly very aggressive team. Just how they navigate the cap this summer is going to be fascinating, but it's not my problem. Go check out Lockdown Sixers if you want to listen to that. But, um, so yeah, do that. Please. That wouldn't be terrible, but I I also wonder. Like I texted Mac, I'm like, why would Philly do that? And he's just like, he gives me all these reasons. I'm like, I just don't see it. So it's gonna be tough. I just think with a lot of these teams in the back end of the first, 
the value of first round picks have gone up considerably over the last decade plus and the fact that you can have cost controlled depth at that point that you can maybe afford to let develop for a year and then contribute maybe down the line is much more valuable than possibly getting like somebody like Jetty Osmond or Dylan Windler or a combination of the two. Yeah, I I think the most you'd be willing, I would be willing to give up would be the second rounders money and then like one of your expirings. I think unless you like absolutely like love someone, then it's not maybe worth just going and, full bore in some of this stuff. Yeah. Now, if you could say you get Monty Morris and like you and like you you work something out where like you could still get someone in the second round or whatever, like I'm I'm open to that. I think even if you go 14 and you come away with a veteran that you like and is under like relative I got to look at more to the contract and I'll have it in front of me. I'll pull it up to re wrap up here. But like there there is there is there is I would not want to go crazy and like like Wow, that's not a lot the, of money. the amount of resources you I think would reasonably spend mm-hmm. on some of this stuff is not I think like it's pretty limited. I think like it's just you're not gonna go like history would suggest it's different. And I also just think the Christian Wood situation is a little bit different in that Christian Wood, at least, like, if you're Dallas and you're trading a first to get him, you can say, okay, yes, this guy is flawed. Like, maybe not a – it's a flawed player. isn't perfect. We have Luka Doncic, and he's going to maximize what this guy is. There's at least been some productivity in, a, in like, that, that's, a, again, that's a higher fair. level. That's I think fair. We've like, seen Christian Wood and Wendler. James Harden was pretty good, and then James Harden left. <laughs> Well, him and yeah. him in Detroit before he ended up in Houston was like one of the breakout players oh, yeah. of the league that season, and that's how he ended up kind of where he did. So it's like I, I look at that and say, okay, that's a little different. I think what you're doing is you're trying to look for a team at the back end of the first that's saying, okay, we need to shed some money. We don't feel particularly strongly about one of these firsts. Like we, ha- we already have enough enough guys. Like without having like kind of zebrudered some of these contract situations. Like that's if you're ad- trying to identify a team that would fit what Cleveland has to go up. It's got to be a team that either wants to shed money for next summer because they have contracts coming due, whatever, or they maybe already have enough young talent and they don't really feel like it's worth it to add another one in this first round for whatever reason. And look, you could say the Cavs should keep those expirings on their books just to give themselves some more flexibility going forward. I don't think that's an unreasonable argument either. So if this works out, I think that will be kind of injuring to see if they go the route. Just and a note, if the Cavs do trade for Monty Morris, um, $9 million I'm next sure, year, sure 9.8. So it'd be myself. It's not a lot of money. No, 9.1 for age 27 season, uh, 9.8 for his age 28 season. I think that's, that's reasonable for how good Monty Morris has been uh, for two years of him as your backup. You know, I, I think he would be a pretty darn good option if you could go that route. I'd be curious to see what that cost would be what you would send that way you know is it jetty because of the, the money would the, the jetty money right there makes a ton of sense if you're going to go that route and you were going to help them shed some money but is that what that what are they looking for um we'll kind of have to see how if that ends up bearing any fruit if it's to, to cleveland or somewhere else but, all right that's going to be it for today's lockdown Cavs. we're going to be back tomorrow with more nba draft prep the draft is this thursday so be sure to Get ready for that. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, or specifically, Jordan Zerm will be on. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about free agency, roster building, a whole bunch of fun stuff with him. Very excited to have Jordan back. It has been a minute since we've had him come through. Evan Evan is going is dealing with some some stuff. He's got he's got to get something over the finish line, and he'll be back 
uh, for Wednesday's show, which it, it's should be sha- a ton it's of fun. the rest of this mustache so, off. I'll be clean. That, that, I, my razor died partway through. That's why I have this, folks. I promise. <laughs> yes. Uh, now that you're done with Lockdown Caps, thanks for making us your first listen every day, by the way. Go check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board Show. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen. By the way, who Richard will be on after the draft to help us break down the draft. Not the day after, but the following week once we've had a little time to digest it. Sam Ferris and Leif Thuleen giving fans an in-depth look to the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Again, up tomorrow, Jordan Zerm coming through to talk about all things draft, free agency, team needs, etc., etc. Until then, I'm Chris. That's Evan. Be well.